This is Patty Davis. I'm a psychic intuitive and medium coming to you from Humboldt County in Northern California. And I'm Judea, a psychic intuitive energy healer from the island of Kauai. And together we're spirit speakers where we meet to discuss a variety of topics from two different psychic vantage points. Hi, and welcome to this newest episode. We are going to be talking about the aura. Jude and I are kind of surprised that we haven't really done a podcast on this yet. I know that we have referred to it and talk about it in a lot of episodes, but we are going to designate an entire episode to the aura and the auric field. Now, to begin with, what is the aura? The aura is a bioelectromagnetic field that radiates off of us. Now, we humans have two different forms of electrical currents. We have one that's intermittent that is moving with our heart rate and our brain functioning and our nervous system. And that's more of an eternal electrical system that's constantly moving and it's intermittent. And then we have a second one that's a more constant and continual. And this electromagnetic field actually radiates out of our body. And this is what we call the aura. Now, everyone's aura is unique, and this is also a field of connectivity. Now, this is where we interact with others. Our auric fields cross one another. They bounce off of each other. We merge energetically with other people, and that's all happening with our auric field. Now, it radiates out, they used to say, three to five feet, but now that NASA is able to actually photograph our electromagnetic field, our auric field, they're saying that it can be more like seven to 10 feet outward that it's radiating out. Now, our aura is affected by many, many different things. It's affected by our, our well-being, both physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual when our chi or our prana runs through our body, it runs through each one of the chakras, and then that energy radiates out into our auric field. Now, this can be affected by many, many different things, including trauma, addictions, injuries. If you've had surgery, it can affect your auric field, psychic attacks, toxins within the body, entities, and, and even our moods. And it, our DNA can show up in our auric field as well. Now, our aura can be beautiful and it can have many different colors and different brightnesses and it can be very fluid and moving and it can radiate and kind of move wider and then get get tighter but it can also have holes and tears and show attachments or thinning depending on what's going on with us now these protective fields as well as our connectivity field our aura it has seven layers to it and they correspond with the seven chakras within the body and we'll talk about the layers as we um, move through this a little bit more so we want our auras to be big and bright and this is where a lot of times we are reading each other we're reading first when we meet somebody like our first impression of someone is usually that we are reading the energy in their auric field now, this may be happening visually. You know, my daughter came home from school one day and said, hey, mom, you know, when your teacher's standing in front of the whiteboard and you see all those colors around her, you know, people that are visual can see the aura on other people. Otherwise, you might just have a direct knowing of what's going on with them. You might be able to feel that energy exchange. So it's kind of a map. The auric field is a map of what's going on within our bodies. Now, Jude and I both use the auric field when we're doing readings with people. Jude uses it, I think, a little more intentionally. I don't tend to use it as much. I will kind of just like see it and remark on it or recognize something showing up on it. But it is something that we tend to read each other, even if we're not doing it intentionally and not aware of it. We are reading and interacting to each other's energetic field, which is our aura. 
All right. So Jude, do you have anything you want to add to that? That was so thorough as usual. You are the great dictionary of all things spiritual. You have such a way of explaining things. <laughs> um, yeah, the aura is absolutely fascinating. I like to think that my specialty is certainly reading the aura. Uh, you're right. I do tend to focus everything that I do in my readings around the aura because I'm such a visual person and my quality of clairvoyance allows me to see information through the org field, sort of like a patchwork quilt. And then I eventually decipher so many pieces that by the time I'm done reading somebody, I'll get this full picture of them. And oftentimes if I've read somebody, I can't unsee it after that. Like every time I see that person after, like I always remember that imprint of the aura, you know, and it's super fascinating to me because in my general day-to-day -day meeting people, I don't look at people right away and be like, oh, they you know, look like a goddess or an ET or a fairy person or whatever. I mean, sometimes those energies really come out, but I really like to keep sort of the curtains closed as I just move through my normal day because I don't want to be overwhelmed with my uh, abilities. But once I've read somebody and seen that, it's amazing. And sometimes I so wish that people could see what I see. And if I wanted to turn it on, I guess, in a group full of strangers, I certainly could turn it on. But, you know, I don't tend to uh, purposely do that unless it feels necessary. But I actually also believe the aura will be the gateway to world peace. I don't know what the word I'm looking for, to ascension, to the the global oneness and love. It's like once we've all opened up to that sensitivity of perceiving the auras of others, I mean, you can't hide anything. You can't be a deceitful person anymore if you really know how to see the aura. And you'll have a lot more compassion. You know, one of the biggest problems in our society is just the instant judgments we put upon people for whatever conditions or reasons that we do. But when you actually have the ability to see the aura, somebody who physically on the outside might not you know, appeal to you orically might be the most stunning person you've ever encountered. And I've often encountered that, you know? So yeah, the aura is, I don't know, a very special gateway to understanding and connecting and of perceiving others and yourself. You know, the aura is essentially the atmosphere or the quality of energy that someone holds or emanates. And you know, the aura consists of many attributes. It can be luminosity, it can be color, it can be texture, it can even be sound. Auras don't necessarily have to be perceived clairvoyantly with the vision. It can be felt, it can be sensed, it can be tasted, it can be smelled. You know, I've certainly been around people who just have a pleasant hum to them. I might not physically see something, but I can tell by like a vibrational tone that I pick up from their auric field that they are a higher vibrational being. And I'm not entirely certain, but I'd like to think that there might be a thread of similarity across the board to all people who have clairvoyant abilities that they might perceive the aura in similar attributes, like as far as like color and texture go. And I'm curious, Patty, if you're gonna see it the same way. For example, 
metaphorically, clairvoyantly, if I were to see somebody and I'm using color to break up the different categories of the aura, generally lower vibrational auric fields or heavier, denser auric fields tend to be made up of like the colors black or brown or like muddy hues of any color of the rainbow, like a muddy yellow, a muddy orange, a, mud, a muddy red, where higher vibrational energies have like a luminosity and a clarity to it. It's almost like it's made out of light. And I tend to see those colors in like any color of the rainbow, but like a super bright, saturated, or even pastel version of that color. And even the color white can take on a, a difference between a denser quality and a higher vibrational quality where like white can almost seem like this like purity like there's this like brightness and this light in it whereas i might see white in terms of like depletion or sickness in somebody but it has like a foggier quality to it you know i'm not entirely certain that all clairvoyant people see it that way but i'm curious patty for somebody who has seen auras do you perceive colors similarly like that within the aura no I primarily zip into or focus in on the intensity and the width of it. Like, is it really bright? Is it, like you said, I get that foggy or is it clear? Is it radiating, you know, outwards? Is it only like two inches away from their, their body? Is it crackly looking or is it smooth? Is the energy within it flowing or is it more stagnant? Now I see colors for me, when I see colors, it's more like looking into a stone where there'll be like colors blurring into different things. But I tend to, when I'm reading someone, I tend to get like a hit on a specific color, which helps me go in and look at that chakra. So I don't see the colors representing darker energies or lower vibrational energies or higher vibrational energies. I see it more as I see like, um, almost like how you see heat coming off of asphalt, you know, and I, and I'll see like a sacred geometric matrix within their aura. So I actually see, I do see colors, but I don't identify them as much as more of seeing the energy of it, if wow. that makes sense. It's yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, cause as you're describing that, I can tell, okay, you're not just using your visual sense, you're feeling it and you're touching it. You know, as you said, is it bigger? Is it smoother? Um, I definitely get that. And I definitely look at auras as far as being like thin and small and close to the body and larger and more expansive and like more space within the auric field, like expansion or density, like, is it thicker? Um, but I also see a pattern orically <laughs> and, and maybe that's just the subtle difference between you and me and our clairvoyant eye is like depression has a specific color to me. Anger has a specific color to me jealousy has a specific color greed has a specific color and and i'm not saying it's it's direct right across the board but like you know really dark hard heavy bad energies have black a lot of black in it or dark browns or deep like maroon muddy red colors um maybe even like dark green like yucky kind of green colors uh, sickness to me will be like yellows and browns and whites and maybe even grays, depending. But anything on the positive spectrum, it's not like love has a specific color or joy has a specific color. Those colors, and I don't even know exactly if they have any specific representation. I think that some souls just come from different dimensions, different realms, different places, and they just might come from a place where people have a lot of blue energy or a lot of purple energy or a lot of white energy or even gold energy. I'll see a lot of uh, metallics 
metallic colors, which is very interesting in the ore, like silvers and bronzes and golds or champagne golds to like bright yellow golds, you know, those colors all represent like different realms of higher dimensions to me. So if I see somebody with like a really blue energy, that feels like a different type of soul coming from a different dimension than a soul that would show me a lot of white light energy like white or or i see people who have a lot of gold in their energy that's pointing to that these different souls are coming from different dimensional planes beyond this physical reality and that's how i see it and oh, i'm that's... just i can't believe we've never really had this discussion in all the years that i've known you <laughs> that's fascinating so i see white if i if i'm reading someone in a lot of gold or white shows up that pure white mm -hmm. shows up in their auric field i see that as kind of an advanced spiritually advanced person, 100%. someone that meditates and does their work. Yeah. So here's my question for you. Mm -hmm. Now you're seeing color. Are you seeing colors and then you have learned what those colors mean? Or are you taking your personal perception of what colors are and assigning that to what you're picking up energetically? Like if you think that blue is a happy color, are you seeing, feeling a happy energy and seeing it manifest as blue where I might think yellow is a happy color. And so if I'm picking up on that, at that, you know, really high vibrational energy, it might come across as yellow. That's a great question. And I could absolutely see how that would work for people who are learning to communicate with their guide system and the, their guide knows that their favorite color is purple. So they'll use purple as like a symbology for, for something because it invokes some feeling for somebody. But to be honest with you, like I had no uh, attachment to colors and feelings at the time that I started seeing them. It was more like I was just accidentally observing, oh, I always see that color every time this is happening or every time somebody's being like this, that color is there. And so I just started associating the patterns to what I was seeing. But yeah, certainly like when I see somebody with a lot of white or gold, those are very highly evolved spiritual people with a lot of wisdom and a lot of healing energy. And, and like, if I see people with a lot of like blues or purples, that tends to be very cosmic to me. Like not only is it very high and telepathic and intuitive and all of that, but it has a touch of this cosmic energy in, interlaced within those colors. It's interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm like so surprised that you don't see this for some reason. Like I, I just assume like if you saw like a heavy energy on somebody, like a lot of congestion, let's say there's like an emotional load on somebody, you perceive it more in texture rather than color or both or not. I think both, but less, less color than, you know, clearly less color than you do. So I will look at someone's and it'll be like, like, I'll be like, oh, their aura is radiating out really far around their, their head but it's really tight around the, their physical body or their upper chakras are radiating really wide and their, their lower, you know, more human chakras are, are, don't have much, or I'll be like, oh, their chakras only two inches away. They're probably a super empathic person or they're, ha you know, they're dealing with something difficult. Mm. So I work more with how fluid it is, how big it is. And like I said, I see a lot of sacred geometry kind of matrix um, energies in there where some people have a really fine sacred geometry where others will be kind of mismatched and mucky or, or kind of um, not uniform. And so mm -hmm. that tells me a lot too. Do you see any of that? Yeah. Oh, certainly. Oh, you see both the colors. Yeah. Um, not, 
with every single person, like some certain people will have like an immense amount of sacred geometry in their energy field and some more intricately woven than others. Some are more simplified, but those are some, you know, I could go way deep into this because it depends on what kind of star seed energy I'm looking at. Are you somebody who is like a healer star seed? Or are you somebody who's here to be like an inventor and a creator? You know, the patterning, the, the matrix patterning, the geometry will look totally different on those two people, but highly evolved. Whereas people with lower energy, dense, sick, trauma, you know, whatever we want to call it, it's distorted. There's no patterning to it whatsoever. It's like more, I guess, organic or discombobulated. It just mm -hmm. doesn't have yeah. any patterning or fluidity to it. So when you're reading someone's aura, it sounds like you're picking up, like you, you see that it reflects a lot on their origin, like, you know, what plane that mm -hmm. they, what, so like if they're star seeds or are you looking, are incarnations showing there? Because when I'm reading it, it's simply a map of where they are right now. Oh, no, 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 not for me. <laughs> this is so interesting. I, I didn't expect this conversation to go this way. By the time I'm done reading somebody, I get like a full impression or what I like to think is a full impression of the average sum of their vibration from all of their existence in relation to this moment now. So if you're somebody who has a lot of unresolved past lives and a lot of karmic loads on your energy field, I will see that. I'll see some of that past life residue on you in your aura. Um, but if you're somebody who is standing here and you've uh, gathered a lot of amazing positive attributes from your other lifetimes, I will see you in multiple versions of your incarnation. And they tend to flip almost like a strobe light, like flip, 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 flip. Or it'll be a perfect blend of multiple incarnations that you've had. It could be you know, for you, Patty, I've seen it where I see your maiden mother crone versions of yourself. There's those specific past lives that I see on you. And oracly, when I look at you, you look like a blend of all of them together. And then sometimes shifting into your higher like star CDT self. And then sometimes into that like prism oracle, I don't know how to describe it, geometry looking thing that you turn into sometimes too. <laughs> you turn into all those things to me and that's how I'll see the aura, but everybody's like a snowflake. Everybody's totally unique. And some people will read really high and clear where I really see those aspects of their higher version in parts of their aura. And then they might be really suffering in the lower two chakras and it just looks like a muddy, like not you know, and then I get to the upper chakras and it's super clear cosmic high self, or it could be the opposite. Their lower chakras look really great and yummy. And then their upper chakras look all like congested and squeezed out. So it's very rare that I get to see somebody that looks fully open and clear on all, all of their whole system. That's interesting. Cause I tend to, I think when I'm doing a reading, I'm more channeling information. Mine comes through words, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm being told this, I'm being told that. So even information of the aura, it's almost like if I read someone's aura, it's almost like spirits telling me what's going on in their aura where I'm visually, I'm a super visual person too. So it's kind of interesting where I can, I can visually see it, but it's more like, as I see it, I'm channeling the information on what it's about. Like if someone says, oh, what colors are my aura? I can be like, oh, okay. And I can kind of take a few breaths and I can say, oh, it looks like this. And I can see the colors, but I don't use it as a tool 
for reading and collecting information like you do. It's more like I open up and it's just like, you know, it's just like right. coming through more, more informationally. That's really fascinating. And it's, yeah, weird for me when people say, what color is my aura? Very, very rarely do I ever see anybody that I'm like, wow, you have a lot of blue or you have a lot of this color, a lot of that color. It's that's actually kind of rare for me to just see a color. But if I see it, I tend to see it everywhere. Um, because to me, people's aura is like images and sounds and textures and colors and all of these things. So it's not something I can just be like, oh, you have a green aura. You know, it's like actually, you know, you you look like somebody or something completely different than what your physical body represents to me. You know, a lot of times when I'm done reading people, I'm like, oh, I got to paint this. I got to draw this. Yeah. And uh, I wish I had all the time in the world, you know, there was a point in time where I was like, I'll, I'll do an add on where I'll do like a drawing of somebody's aura. I was like, I, I can't do it. But one day, one of my fantasy projects is to do a, a, a total show of just auras that I've seen, because it's fascinating. Yeah. So if someone were to say, what color is my aura? I actually am like that. I'm like, oh, it's orange. There's a little bit of turquoise running through it. You have a lot of white over your crown chakra. Wow. It gets darker as it moves south. Like I see it in colors. And then for me, it's kind of like, yeah, that's interesting. But what does that mean? So I usually relate, like if I'm seeing a lot of orange, then I'll use that as a reason to look into the sacral chakra, you know, and see, well, what's going on in their sacral chakra? Mm. Because you know, a lot of people see the layers of the aura, which correlates with the different chakras in totally different colors than the chakras are. Some see them as similar colors. Some see them as totally different. Some are kind of half and half. Um, you know, I, I see them relating to the chakras. Do you, or, do, or is it two totally separate things? I don't see it related to the chakras. In fact, actually, when I see colors, it's generally not related to any of the chakras. Like, on occasion, I do though. A lot of times I'll see a lot of yellows and golds at the solar plexus, you know, or I'll see a lot of that indigo blues and purples up at the third eye and crown chakra, but that's not always across the board. I could see any color in any chakra and it doesn't mean anything to me as far as the uh, actual chakra is concerned. And uh, yeah, and I do agree with the layers of the aura in the same way that you do, that they correlate with the chakras and the vibration gets higher as we move out into the more subtle energies of the external, the edge of the uh, outer aura. Um, but I don't see those specifically in colors either. <laughs> so. Yeah. Interesting. So I do actually, when I'm looking at someone's chakra, it's more like I open the door into a room that's lit in that color mm. and the, and the quality of that color tells me a lot about the quality of that chakra or what's going through. Like it may be dark or it may be super bright yellow or kind of a mucky mustard yellow, like in the solar plexus. So I do, and it, it's kind of like, I get that information. I mean, I see that and then it comes through immediately informationally in more of that direct knowing or that channel. Yeah, I remember uh, watching an interview with a woman one time who was clairvoyant and she would say things like, oh, well, that's blue, so this means this, or that was purple, so this means that. And uh, her definitions of the colors were absolutely not what I would have probably thought with those colors. Mm -hmm. And I'm not discrediting her gifts, like she found some sort of roadmap through a lens that works for her, you know, and, uh, 
I know that everybody out there has different gifts and abilities and probably a lot of our listeners are like, well, yeah, when I see these colors or these things, I know that that's what that means. (laughs) But for some reason I thought, well, I'm not looking for these colors. They're just there and I'm just noticing the pattern. So maybe that's universal. You know, I was curious. I was just like, maybe that means the same for everybody. I don't know, but uh, I think you, you answered that question for me. Yeah. (laughs) So the other thing with the aura is how I, I work with the density of it, the brightness of it and how wide it's radiating. Mm -hmm. So in my classes, what we, and I think I've talked about this in one of the other episodes, um, my beginning classes, what we would do is we would, we'd have somebody close their eyes and, you know, think of a, of something that happened in their life or a situation that made them feel really good. And the rest of us would close our eyes and hold our hands out and walk towards that person. And we would end up being pretty far away. And then we, I'd have that person think of something or remember something that was negative in their life that, you know, had some negative negativity to it. And we would do that again. Everybody would close their eyes and walk towards it. And by the time they felt energetically felt the aura, they would be right on top of that person. Now, also in class, I've had people sit in front of a white wall and I've had the whole class watch them. And we have them again, think of something positive and you can see the energy radiating off of them. And it'll be like four or five feet out, you know, and then we'll, we'll ask them to think of something negative and it'll be like two inches out. So not only is our aura changing in color, it's also changing in intensity and brightness and in width, depending on, it can be like a giant mood ring, you know, it can be shifting all these things, depending on not only our, our general well-being and our general makeup and our DNA, but it can also be according to what's happening in that very moment. And, you know, if we're radiating brighter, if we're, if we're not radiating very big, and so it can change all the time. Now I read people this way a lot. I'll use the intensity. I'll say, you know, here's the deal. Your aura should be radiating out at least three feet. Your aura is beautiful and bright, but it's two inches wide. Now, a lot of times with people that are empathic because they need some protection around them, they don't want to be a light to the bugs. If they're big and bright, when we're big and bright, we attract much more abundance, but we also can attract much more attention, which for somebody that's sensitive or empathic, that can be pretty scary. So they tend to walk around with an aura, beautiful, but only like two or three inches away from their body. Where Again, we want to turn up. I always, you know, those of you that have readings with me, you might have gotten this prescription, like turn your aura up 10%, you know, for two days and see how it changes. Because when you turn your dimmer switch, your auric dimmer switch up 10%, by the end of the day, you'll, you'll be like, well, I found money on the ground. I got all these compliments, some things that I was working on. I found solutions to it can really bring about abundance because when we're big and bright, we attract big and bright and it can shift things. Now, Also, this is our protective field. If you have your, you know, when when we interact, this is why we cross paths with people and we are auric fields interact or they merge or they shift. This is why, you know, we use that saying of this person's too much in my personal space. Now, Jude, you may be in my, what I consider my personal space and it doesn't feel bad at all, but somebody that I don't trust or know, or someone that I don't have a very um, good energetic bond with can be that close. And I can feel like they're invading my personal space. So our aura is our personal space. And it's also that place where we connect with others. It's also our safety and our protective energetic field. 
if our aura is five feet out, if something comes in that doesn't feel good, it's almost like it's going to hit that first layer and we're going to feel that ripple and be like, oh, hell no, I need to clear that out. Or this is interesting. I want to you know, interact with this. Now, if, if our aura is three inches away, if something crosses that protective energetic field, it can put us in a fight or flight mode. And this is where people have to deal with anxiety because if we're not big and bright and we're not running that protective field, we can be kind of shocked by what's coming in or not equipped to handle it or not ready. And it can be a shock to our system. So I tend to work with the aura much more on those terms and explaining things to people and trying to understand what it is I'm seeing rather than colors. Right. And I think that I do too. I probably just incorporate more imagery and color <laughs> and, uh, you know, past lives and things. Cause that tends to be a strong area for me, but yeah, I like to think of the aura as my own little personal bubble of like my own perfect atmosphere that I like to be walking around in like perfect temperature. It's like the right smell. It's the right color. It's the right everything. And that makes me feel really good. So no matter where I'm at, I feel right at home and I feel safe and I feel comfortable, you know, and that's what we talk about. Yeah. Expanding, making more space for ourselves. So when we have a bigger aura, it's almost like we have more room to breathe when, you know, in times when my auras felt smaller, I was feeling insecure, very uncomfortable, you know, it, it can feel very stuffy and almost claustrophobic, you know, I'll tend to shrink my energy down if I get overwhelmed and then I have to remember to sort of ground and expand it out and suddenly the air seems fresher and suddenly it feels like I can breathe a little bit better and I'm more calm and then when we talk about protection you know it's like reinforcing that outer layer of our energy field to keep the energy within that space that we want and then keep the energy that we don't want out and uh, the more we hold that, the stronger resonance, you know, or amplitude almost that we have, you know, that bigger, stronger amplitude of energy, um, the easier and longer it holds. And it automatically, in, in my observation, attracts us to like vibratory situations and people, and it avoids us out of the BS and the chaos and the craziness uh, automatically. But if something tricky were to come into our field, if our energy is really strong, it wouldn't really affect us, you know, or we would have enough sensitivities to know to exit the situation or move out of the space rather than just getting bombarded and overwhelmed by energies and blindsided, you know, if, we're, we, have, if we have weak spots in our energy field. I agree. I work with the density of the aura of my own auric field, you know, being a sensitive being and an extreme empath, if I'm going somewhere where there are a lot of people or in a situation where I'm uncomfortable, I will purposely make my energetic field a little more dense, or I will make it um, a gelatinous or something so that I have a little bit more of a connection with what's happening on the outside of my field. And like, if it's gelatinous, I can feel those vibrations coming in or I make it a little dense. Now I'm going to go ahead and go through the layers of the aura a little bit. But some people see the layers of the aura just as an outline or like I can look at someone's aura and be like, oh, you know, it's it's much brighter or thicker on the outside than it is on the inside or the, what's closest to them is very thick, but then it fades out as it gets brighter. All right. 
So there are seven layers of the aura. You know, as I said, they correspond to the seven chakras. The layer that's closest to us, which corresponds to the root chakra, is called the etheric layer. This governs the physical body, the muscles, the bones, the organs. And again, this goes along with the root chakra that I am safe, I'm secure, I'm grounded, I'm stable. There's a lot of differing ideas on like the first layer's three inches, the second layer's four inches. You know, I don't pay attention to that because I kind of feel again, we humans really like things mathematical and lined up and it's not always that way spiritually. So I'm not going to go into how far out there, but the second layer is the emotional layer. This is where a lot of distress, depression, anxiety, those things would show up. This corresponds with the sacral chakra. So this is moods and emotions and feelings and how we connect with others. And if we have respect for our emotions. The third layer is the mental layer. This is about our uh, the solar plexus. This is our thought processes, our mental health, our also anxiety and depression can also show up here. This is about empowerment, self-empowerment and being connected with our personal power. I accept myself. Um, I feel empowered in this life. Now, these first three layers are on the physical plane, similar to that the lower three chakras are more of the physical um, plane. And they, they deal more with this human life where the upper three are more of the spiritual. Now the heart chakra, and this is the fourth layer out. This is the astral layer, the astral plane. And this represents the, the heart chakra. Now the heart chakra is the bridge between the lower chakras and the upper chakras, the physical chakras and the spiritual chakras. And the astral plane, this is where we can astral travel, where we can have out-of-body experiences or near-death experiences. It can be a little bit of a portal between the physical reality or the physical plane and the spiritual. So when we astral travel, a lot of people will travel that really utilize the uh, layers of the aura, will travel out into the astral layer of their aura and see that as a portal for traveling multidimensionally. Then as we move up to the throat chakra, this is the etheric template, this is called, and this also is the place where our identity, our personality, um, our self-worth, our ability to express ourselves shows up. And that crosses over a little bit with the solar plexus, some of the aspects of that. And then the sixth layer is celestial. This is our third eye. I see clearly beyond my physical eyes. This is our spiritual, our first connection with spirit. This is our psychic abilities, our inner wisdom, connecting with our guide system. So again, if someone were utilizing the layers of the aura, they could travel out into the celestial layer to connect with their guide system. And then finally, the last layer, the seventh is the spiritual or the causal layer. And this um, corresponds with the crown. This is where we connect with divinity. This is the highest vibrational frequency. As Jude said earlier, just as our vibrational frequency is more lower and dense in our root and raises up as we move up in our chakras. It also gets higher as we move out into the layers, the outer layers of our aura. So this is the portal to the divine, connecting with the divinity within you, connecting with your higher self, universal love, um, connecting with your soul. Now, I was taught all of these in my psychic classes that I took for a long time. I don't use them at all. 
I found them kind of confusing and I felt like I was having to memorize things and I really don't use them. If I'm looking at an aura, I'm seeing collecting information within that energetic field. I personally am not using the layers. So Jude, I'm really curious because you use the aura as such an intricate map when you're reading someone. Do you utilize those different layers? And even if you don't label them the way they're labeled, do you see things in layers? Uh, sort of, kind of, but yeah, I'm also familiar with this, uh, seven system of the layers of the aura and it's too, you know, are we really going to be, oh, it's too five inches, eight inches or whatever. And am I going to remember everything? It's kind of silly, but I do see something uh, as far as a pattern goes to people who are more in their physical, mental, and emotional logic space, and they may not have yet expanded a lot into their higher spirit, their auras tend to hover a little bit closer to them in that mental, emotional, and etheric planes of their energy field. It's almost like they're stuck within that shell or that skin of those energy fields, and they haven't yet expanded out into like really sensing and feeling what's beyond. And then, of course, when I read people who are very tapped in and, and very, you know, able to perceive other dimensions and have a strong spiritual connection, and they're very comfortable in that space, those outer layers feel very alive. They feel activated, more activated in somebody. Uh, So I do see patterning in that. And that can change. It's not like that all the way through. Some people are stronger in the uppers and, you know, not so much in the lowers and vice versa. And it can be all over the place. Because as you know, I read the energy from the front and the back and the top and the bottom. You know, I've read people who have patternings where they're really tight and closed in the back, super open in the front and totally the opposite. I've seen people look like an X you know open in the top closed in the front top closed in the back you know it it can go on in all these different ways it's so interesting in fact actually i've thought about making a little bit of roadmap because there are sort of patterns uh to people who have like if you're all open in the front closed in the back or or crisscrossing or whatever there's certain there's certain almost like personality traits to people who hold their energy in specific ways and that can totally shift it's not like you know this is who you are for the rest of your life it's it's just more speaking to like what you may be going through in that moment of time that you're holding your energy in this way but what else is interesting as a sound healer there's an assessment that you can do with sound. So I've talked about this before with uh, like a tuning fork. You know, when I use my tuning forks on people, sometimes they ring so clear and it's like, I hardly have to touch them. And, And it's almost like there's no obstructions in the ethers to obstruct the sound waves. So it just rings on and on and it sounds super clear. Well, a tuning fork is really great because it's one specific Hertz frequency tone. And it's very easy to pick up undulations in a tuning fork. So when you're doing an assessment, if you're not a clairvoyant, like if you're not somebody that can just see or feel the texture of energy, um, you can actually use a tuning fork. And if you have one, I, I encourage you to try this. Have somebody lay down and bring the tuning fork and wave it across their entire body from head to toe 
very, not too fast, just kind of like a very gentle, smooth flow across the whole body, about two or three inches from their body. And you're going to notice that in certain areas, there's a, like a little undulation in the sound, like a little like dip or a little raise or a little, it'll, it'll like bog out really quickly. And you can go back and you can try that again and then raise that tuning fork up three, four inches and do that again, and then three, four inches and do that again. And you might get a different read because you're actually in the part of the aura that might be more of the etheric or emotional body in those first layers, and then more in the astral body as you move out, and then more into the celestial body or causal body, you know, when you go out. And some people might be clearer and stronger in those outer energy fields than the inner and vice versa. So it's kind of interesting. So if you utilize an instrument, if you don't have the ability to feel people's energy field or see it, you can actually use sound to figure out where those dips and waves are. And depending on where you're at over specific chakras or how far away you're actually holding the instrument from their body can help you be like, okay, this is a solar plexus issue in the astral body. You know, you can get real crazy yeah. with it, but it's like, is it necessary? Work. I know. <laughs> Sometimes, too but much some, brain power. I there. know. Some people it like my that. head. No, it, it it is a lot, but it's it's fascinating because it can be measured like that. For more yeah. of you, kind of scientific type people out there who want to know, break it right down to the nitty gritty. But you know, it's it's too too much. But in general, I generally will see a layer. I break it up into like more the physical and more the spiritual and that's it. And, and I don't go through the whole seven layers. Right. Um, you said earlier that if, if someone's aura is tight, you see them as, um, let's just say less spiritually advanced. Now I actually don't see it that Oh, you're saying no, no not, okay. not exactly, but go ahead, continue. Cause okay. yeah, go ahead. So I have read people that they have a beautiful aura. And, and even though I don't necessarily look for or go through the layers of the aura, you know, the outermost layer of their aura will be intensely beautiful and so bright and, and really stand out. However, all of those layers are condensed into like six inches instead of a few feet. And I have read multidimensional beings or star seeds that are super advanced spiritually and it shows up within their aura and it actually is quite layered. However, being in the human body is kind of like, what the hell is happening here? You know, it's kind of like, how do I take all of my awareness of the vastness and bring it into this very small, limited existence? So they can be a super advanced being or a starseed. However, because the human condition is difficult on them, they're condensing their aura into like six inches, kind of like, like a little bit of hiding. And this is where people are like, eh, you know, I don't feel comfortable. I don't know what's happening. Have you seen that before? Absolutely. A hundred percent. That oh, okay. is definitely how I see it too. Um, having a bigger or smaller aura has nothing to do with like your sensitivities or empathy or uh, abilities on any level, because you're right. I do see very open, very advanced feeling people who don't yet know how to work with their energy field and might not know how to like ground strong and protect their energy more and and expand that energy out and and they're working on that but for people who are linear logic skeptic all science based you know it's almost like i just tend to see them just right in that shell like i can't see them beyond that like they need more of a spiritual opening it's like they haven't touched those layers yet they haven't discovered those 
parts of their being yet. Um, so they're not stimulated. It's not that they're not there. They're just not as vibrant. I don't know. I just don't see those mystic layers opened up on them, you know, as much. So, so I know someone who is not extremely uh, spiritual. However, they walk into a room and their energy field takes up. It's like, it takes all the air out of the room. The rest of us are like smashed up against the wall because they, their, their aura is so big and they're taking up so much space, but what they're doing is they are compensating for insecurities. So they're just like someone may use their aura to be a little denser, a little bigger for protection around anxiety or empathy. People can also manipulate their aura for protection due to insecurities. So someone with a huge aura, and, and and I know you agree with this, I'm just kind of stating this again, does not necessarily mean that they are spiritually advanced or that they're the guru. You know, I'm sure there are many gurus out there that don't have a huge radiating aura that are working on a totally different plane. Yeah, that's a great observation because we have to get away once again from the whole linear measuring of the aura. When I was speaking to the layers extending out, I was uh, speaking to like the vibration, the vibratory field rather than like 12 inches out or 36 inches out or whatever, however we want to say. Um, But yeah, you're right. There are people who have sort of a dense but very big. And uh, like you said, it pushes you up against the wall or you just need to get out of the space. Like it swallows up the whole room, but you know, and, and then there's people who also have very big energies that mean, well, they just are on a different vibe than you. They're just a different type of person, you know, Um, really clean, good, well-intentioned people, but maybe they're like really religious and just there's some quality about that that might not resonate with you know maybe my more open spirited side (laughs) and so there can be uh what do you call friction between the energy fields but it doesn't mean that they're necessarily bad either right and you know we humans and being here on the third dimension and working linearly we like things to make sense we like steps to accomplishments or if you do this and then go to school and then get your degree and then you reach success we really like things to be mapped out and to make sense and to be in a specific order that brings us comfort and it's just not like that you know and if we spend so much time doing that it actually takes i in my opinion takes us out of that creative spiritual space you know, I'm kind of a lazy psychic. I don't want to look through all the layers and memorize them and pinpoint what's going on in so-and-so's lay, fourth layer. How many inches is that away from the fifth layer? Blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, just give it to me. Just tell me what I'm supposed to tell them. You know, <laughs> I agree. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, just give it to me in words. Tell me what they need to hear. Tell me what's important here. And again, if you're one of those people that find comfort in that, by all means, go ahead and do that. But I don't feel like it's, it's necessary. I just think it's trickier to read it extending out. Like for me, the chakras, it's pretty straightforward. The the chakra is where it's at. That's what's happening. You know, root chakras, root chakra, sacral, sacral, solar plexus. Yeah. Well, as far as when we move out, yeah, there's schools of thought that say two, four, eight, 10, 12 inches out, but that's not necessarily correct. That's just sort of like a loosely interpreted roadmap for you to understand. But certainly I can agree that the closer that the aura hovers to the body, the more that particular area is like more in their physical body. Like, you know, if I'm an empathic person who's very sensitive and overwhelmed, 
I might literally have anxiety. My stomach might be churning. I might be more in that physical experience, even though, you know, psychically or energetically, I'm picking up a lot of stuff, but I'm kind of stuck in the uh, physical symptoms of having a lack of space in my energy field. And so that kind of speaks to, in my opinion, working in those like um, etheric, emotional, mental bodies as, as it's labeled. But when I'm open and I'm more spiritually strong, and I have a nice boundary and I know how to work with my sensitivities, then I can be up in those kind of upper outer aura energy fields. And I don't think that they are specifically able to be measured. So let's talk about holes, tears, rips, bubbles, bumps. Now I'm going to use the example of having surgery. If you have surgery, the surgeon He's invading your energetic space while you are under anesthesia. He's coming through the different layers of your aura and invading your energetic space. He's cutting into your skin. He's going into someplace in your body, which is a physical connection to a chakra. Now there can be a hole or a slice or a rip or a tear in your chakra from this experience. So when we are healing, we're healing energetically as well as physically and emotionally from this experience. Now I have read people where I'm like, oh my gosh, what are all these holes punched in your auric field? You know, and I will ask for information about that. And then we will run light in it or I'll say, you know, help me and let's imagine this beautiful golden thread and we're going to, you know, thread a needle and we're going to stitch up these spaces. So you can visually work with this. You can set an intention to heal the aura, but I'm sure Jude that you see this much more often. Um, So I'm curious what you have to say about this. Yeah, I definitely see that. And it can be so many variations. Like you can have a really strong area, but you have like one hole popped in there. You know, for example, if I'm looking at the solar plexus and it's really strong, but there's just this one hole, you know, it's like 99% amazing, 1% this like immediate hole in there. To me, that is a very specific wound or something that could be very specific to be triggered. Like you're so confident and so amazing unless like this one thing gets poked at and then it can just totally deflate you. But there's so many variations of that. And yeah, I'll see pits, holes, rotting spots. Uh, I'll see lumps, like stones, I'll see things that look like weapons. And if I see things that are like sticking in people from the external space in like a stick or a harpoon or, you know, a, a, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, something that looks like it was poked into somebody that generally speaks to energy that's coming from somewhere else that is being inflicted on somebody. Yeah, I see voids within the energy field too. And uh, they're not necessarily always on the surface. They can be in the internal space, like the whole outer space feels great. But then there's this like little pit, this little like gap or open spot deeper in the energy field. And generally, if I see that, that's because it's more buried. That's because it's older. It's been there longer. It's from some trauma a long time ago. If it's on the surface, it might be something that you're still currently dealing with. That's how I kind of see the aura too, which is also interesting. The more on the surface it is, the more in the present moment the experience is. And the deeper in the field it is, it tends to be older from a long time ago. All right. So I'm curious about where you see entities coming here, because I have read people in the past where, you know, I'll be like, oh, you have an ax in the back of your neck. You know, I'm careful about saying that. And then I'll be like, you know, this is somebody invading your throat chakra. We need to release that, et cetera, et cetera. 
And then I will see someone where I'll be like, there's an entity or something that is, but it'll be sitting just outside of the um, auric field. It's almost like they're waiting for a vulnerable time or an opportune time to penetrate that auric field to attack the person. And so the more that person works with their auric field and keeps it big and bright and protective, it's protecting them, but it's almost like a stalker, like that energy is stalking and waiting. So I'll work not only here am I helping someone release an entity, we're getting space and removing it. So it's not stalking, waiting for that opportune time to come in. Because if we're ill, if we're in a vulnerable spot, our aura reacts to all of that. So, you know, this is why when we're happy and healthy and feeling good, our aura, our aura tends to be bigger and brighter. When we're sick, we take it down with us, which is the opposite of what we should do. In order to heal, we should be really making ourselves big and bright so we can attract that healing energy. So again, someone gets sick or into a vulnerable space and that, that stalking energy is going to have a, a, a way in, a way to penetrate. Now, have you seen this? Because this is actually showing up to me near their outer higher vibrational layer, but I don't know. It's, it's confusing. Yes. There's def yeah. there's definitely a definitive difference between attached in and hovering and exactly how you said it is exactly how I see it. I mean, you got to think of it as sort of like a, any cut. Okay. You think of your skin as this organ that's protecting your whole inner system, you know, your aura is sort of the same way. And if it has a cut, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get infected, but it could, you know, right. yeah. if you don't take care of it, if you don't clean it and you don't bandage it and, and tend to it and make it healed again, if you just let that sit there, that wound and it will fester and fester and fester, and then it could attract infection, which would be like an entity attachment, orically speaking. So a hundred percent, I see that. And uh, more often than not, they tend to hover closely rather than be actually in the energy field. Um, but there is also buried entities too. So it's not like you might have an entity that like I might not see because you're A, you're not ready for it. It might be attached to some trauma that you haven't acknowledged yet or aren't even aware of or some other wounding that's so buried. And, and it's just like you have to work through these other layers and strengthen. And as I said, when I see those inner layers come up to the surface, that's when, oh, here's an entity from childhood. Entities for certain, the best way to avoid that is to be certain that you are keeping your aura strong and clear and scanning and doing, you know, the meditations and whatever tools that you have out there to just be sure everything feels really good. It's, it's not hard. In fact, it's kind of fun. Yeah. So if you're wanting to explore your aura, you can go into meditation where you step out of your body and ask to see that looking at your physical body. You can start from the core, like from your heart chakra and work your way out. And then you can be like, oh, I have first layer here. Oh, this layer is a little denser. Oh, mine's radiating out this far. You can read your friend's auras where you can use the, the chakra, the minor chakras in the palms of your hand and come closer until you feel their energy radiating out. So there are plenty of ways to look at this. And again, your aura, you may just ask for information if you're a person that just works with direct knowing or if you're a visual person, look at it. If you're sensory, you can move your hands out from your heart and use your palm chakras as you um, go through the layers of your own chakra. I mean, as you go through the layers of your, your own aura. Now, clearing your chakras, and this is my opinion, and I'll see what you think, Jude. I think working 
through your chakra system, going in and devoting time to each of the chakras, doing a little cleansing, which shows up there is going to have an impact on the health of your aura. Just like taking care of things like, you know, getting out of bad relationships, working on self-love, you know, whatever you have going on, the more we heal and work on that and devote time to that, that's going to show up in our auric field and help us have a healthier, happier aura, which is going to attract wonderful things and abundance to us. We can also use stones. Um, like Jude said, sound healing is amazing. Essential oils, chanting, visualizations, meditation, intention, ritual, anything that's considered an energy healing, you can use within the seven chakras within your body, but also within your auric field. And like I mentioned earlier, just visualizing your aura being bigger and brighter. Um, you know, if you're an empath, see your aura as your your protection. You know, empowered empaths usually don't have a, an issue with this, but those that aren't extremely empowered or in times of vulnerability or sensitivity or anxiety, our aura tends to shrink in. And so we can imagine turning that aura up. And I, I really love this. And I know I sound like a big dork because I suggest this a lot, but if you set an intention that your aura is going to be bigger and brighter at a percentage that you're happy with, that you're comfortable with, you will notice a difference in the way people interact with you, in the abundance that you bring in, in what you manifest, in how your frequency radiates throughout the day. So working on that. Also, if you are working through the layers of your aura and you tend to feel like Jude said, a bump or a, or a tear or a hole, you know, set an intention to fill that up with light. Like I said, you can bring a golden thread and, and stitch it up. Sometimes I'll see someone where their aura is intact and it looks beautiful, but the outside of it looks like someone threw mud balls at it and there's splatters on it. And that can be a type of psychic attack or attack coming in from another entity where they're not quite able to penetrate the aura. So they're like throwing shit at the outside of your windows and it's sticking. So we can go through and imagine we have a squeegee and we're clearing that, or we're rinsing it off with water. You can use all types of visuals or intentions to clear your aura. And those are some ways of doing that. Do you, do you have any other suggestions or? Yeah, I think that the big hangup that a lot of people have is thought in the astral field happens instantaneously as soon as you think it okay that's what intention is as soon as you visualize it or invoke it or say it you know it happens instantaneously now there is a transfer of time between that energy field in the physical space you know we talk about this in manifestation that's when we give positive thought and visualization towards something depending on what we're trying to manifest it might take the day to manifest it might take 10 years to manifest something um energetically speaking within our auric field it's the same you know just because you want if we're intending to be grounded for somebody who's never been grounded you've gone your whole life being a very ungrounded person and then suddenly you're you're like okay now i i figured it out i'm, I'm visualizing the light it's connecting to the earth and you might be like, I don't even know, is this working? Am I connected? I'm telling you, the second you think it, it's holding, but is it holding strong? Is it used to it? Think of it as like fabric that has been folded a certain way and it has creases in it. It's like, just cause you unfold it, it kind of has a tendency to want to go right back to the way it was. Cause it was used to being like that. It's like, you have to keep, you know, pressing it out. You have to keep 
putting energy into it. And the more energy, the more thought, more intention, more visualization that you put to it, the stronger you're going to hold your energy in that. And then you will feel a transfer of that energy into your physical space where, like I said earlier, like you just manifest not being around chaos anymore. You manifest being in higher vibrational places and attracting better people and more abundance. And all these things start changing in your physical reality. It's not going to happen the second you think it, but the more you think it, the more you're going to ingrain that program into your energy field, and then you will feel the physical effects of it over time. If you can just sort of accept and believe that the second I think something, that it is happening, that's all that you need. Uh, as soon as you put doubt into that, I think people think they need more of a ritual. And that's why sometimes tools are very helpful. Like I love to use sound and my sound healing instruments and my essential oils because i'm anchoring my intention i'm saying every time i spray this specific oil it clears my energy field do i need that oil to do that no but it helps so i just wanted to really make a point that the second you think something it's happening it happens instantaneously but it takes prolonged effort you have to keep thinking it and keep setting that intention and you will feel that change but yes, all of those things. I do agree. I think that probably in my experience, the most beneficial meditation that I do is diving into my own chakras and just cleaning and clearing. And sometimes, sometimes, yeah, sure. I want to feel, oh, it feels a little muddy, a little sticky. It feels like this. And sometimes I don't really care. <laughs> sometimes I'm just <laughs> filling it with light. You don't have to know what the drama is and what's going on. Just feel it and visualize it and intend it to be its highest and brightest, most balanced expression. And that's all you need to do. You don't need to know if it's off or broken in order to fix it. Nice. Now, if you are wanting to work on your own gift of reading auras or develop that, some suggestions that I have is if you want to read someone, if they're standing in front of or sitting in front of a white wall. And this is why a lot of times when people are in front of whiteboards, I can see more colors. So the fewer distractions, the better. And if the, you know, it's almost like you want to relax your third eye. You can stare with a lazy stare at their third eye and their forehead and just let out that the colors kind of unfold out of your peripheral. Now, after a while, you can look around them and see things, but it's a good way to either squint a little bit so things are a little foggy or stare into one place and let it unfold in the peripheral. Now, if you're not someone that is super visual and you're wanting to get things visually, you're just going to set yourself up for frustration. So in those cases, know how you perceive information. If you're someone that feels energy, put your hands out and be like, where, what does their energetic you know, body feel like? What does their aura feel like? And pick up on some of the densities of it. If like you're like me, where you see more sharpness or, or light or bright, let that work out. And sometimes we can just ask, what color is their aura? You know, we can use our direct knowing. We can stare at someone and just ask for that information and have it come in. So it's super fun to play with. You know, it's a tool that the more you develop that, you can utilize it. And it's really interesting to start recognizing other people's auras. And again, we've talked a lot about the integrity with reading people, you can look at someone and be like, oh, they have a pretty aura. Oh, they're tight. You know, I feel like you're allowed to kind of recognize we do that anyways. When we're looking at someone, we're not just looking at their physical body and what they look like and how big their smile is. We're reading their energetic field and we're interpreting that in the way that we 
are able to, whether that's visual or direct knowing or sensory. So it is a way that you can read people more and it's fun and interesting. And I think it's okay to kind of take a glance and be like, what does that person's aura look like? Because you're not, you're not digging into their energetic field or moving through their privacy. Do you agree with that, Jude? Yeah, I agree that you can observe people's aura um, without trying to decipher the personal yeah. intimate stuff of what you're seeing. Uh, I like the whiteboard background uh, because, yeah, the less distraction uh, in the middle of the day with, you know, all the details of everything that's all around, it can be harder to see an aura. There is truth. I read the Celestine prophecy when I was in like 10th grade. And I remember for anyone who's read that book, they were talking about how you could see auras better at the uh, sunset or sunrise. And it's 100% true. <laughs> there's something about that golden light. I don't know. It just, it, it kind of makes the aura a little bit more sparkly. Another way is in the darkness. So like if, uh, you're like me in a dark room with a candle, you know, just enough light to kind of see the object or the person, you know, the, the subject that you're looking at, but the darkness kind of drowns out all the details in the background. So you can see the energy more. And to me, that is the easiest way. I also find that the distance that I am from somebody also makes a difference. If somebody's very close to me, it's not as easy for me to see the aura. They need to be like a certain amount of feet away from me. And I'm sure this is going to be different for everybody, but it's almost like the further away they are, it's like a Monet painting, <laughs> you know, up close, it looks like dots <laughs> from far away. You see the whole image, you know, um, there's like a sweet spot. So when I'm reading people, there's a reason your chair is eight feet from me. Okay. <laughs> it's because it's easier for me to see your energy field. It's not because I don't want to sit close to you, you know? Oh, and, and another really fun way to uh, check out auras is in crowds. So sometimes when I'm at the airport and I'm waiting, you know, I'll do that little dristy look and you'll see people who look more staticky, more foggy. And then some people who just have this like sparkle and this clarity about them when they're walking by. And it's kind of fun to see the contrast energetically of different people um, in close proximity to each other, crisscrossing. When you have contrast like that, that's a very interesting way to be able to see energy in a space where it's like, all kinds of different people go to a park. If you live in an area where there's a lot of different people and you can kind of see people who look clear and bright and maybe a little more shadowy and staticky and dis distorted, you know, you might pick up on some of that. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to tell you what, how I see your aura. Okay. So your aura is super, how do I want to put it? Reactive, reactionary. Your shifts constantly, just like different sound waves send on different waves. I feel like whatever energy you're around, whatever's coming into your energetic field, you are continually meeting or shifting or reacting to. It changes all the time. And when I look at it in the, in, in the terms of color, it almost looks like a stained glass to me. It's like the sacred geometric shapes of a stained glass, but there's really thick black lines between everything. And those lines between the colors tend to widen and thin out depending on what's coming into. And then it's almost like you have a crown of prisms on, like your third eye and your your crown is just like this prism, everything's shooting up. So it's very different from the top as it moves down. You know, we've been talking about this, about how our auras shift depending on our moods and what's happening. Yours is super reactionary according to what is happening around you. I'd have to agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Like sound waves, you know, and I feel like you have a really strong ability to shut down your layer, your 
I, I feel like you have the ability to be like open, closed, like really quick. You know, it takes you no time at all to be like, nope, door shut. You know, oh yeah. I will shut it. I will shut it yeah, down. A hundred percent. See, that's interesting. Cause I'll tell you what your aura looks like. You look like, uh, to me, like beams of light shining out in every direction. Like if you were like a, a piece of like pure silver and the light was shining on, it, it was just like beaming, just like refracting off. And those beams to me, a have you tapped into a much higher dimensional plane and that's why i think that you tend to just stay with all the high vibrational beings and don't want to meddle with all the dark stuff (laughs) (laughs) unless it's you know your job for the day but i feel like your energy beams out and is almost like always eager to be connecting with this like higher field and higher spirit and just anything that's good it's almost like the intention of your aura is always to be somewhere high like you just have these little tentacles going out and you don't even have the the space or desire to experience anything but that. And that's what your aura looks like to me. Just like wow. beams of light, beams of light. Thank you. Well, yours, I just asked, you know, what the hell are these dark lines between the, the um, like the stained glass, like this beautiful light coming through, but it's almost like the, um, the leaded glass, you know, the lead lines I love that. are yeah. very there. Well, they're saying what that is, is that you are able to follow the entire wavelength of anything that's coming in. So when you're looking at letting light in and different colors coming in, you have the ability to see the lower vibration within that or between the lines or that exists around that. Mm-hmm. So where I'm always shooting for the high vibration, it's like you are able to see the entire picture you know, the entire gamut of energies. And that's what some of these um, defined lines are between the colors. You let that light and that color in, but you also have that ability to recognize everything. And, and, you know, you're such a a galactical being and a multidimensional being that I feel like this reaction in your auric field is that this is just an experience for you being here and you have better things to do. And so, you know, with this, this prism with your third eye and crown is that you travel multidimensionally, but when you're working in the human field, it's much more like, well, how do I react to this? What needs to happen here? What needs to be shifted? You're manipulating your own energy as you're working and manipulating the energy around you. Yeah. I mean, I've not surprised. I've, I definitely have a strong shadow element, you know, and I like that my shadow element is portraying itself as a beautiful stained glass piece of art with like the black lines in between, which is also how I do a lot of my actual art. Like I use a lot of like black line and color. That's right. You do. Yeah. 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 Very sort of illustrated or very graphic. Yeah. Thank you. I like that. I like mine too. Thanks. (laughs) Well, in a nutshell, that's the aura and how we see it. And again, everybody's aura is unique and the way you perceive auras is unique. And, you know, if you want to explore it, let it be playful, you know, let it just be explorative. Don't ever feel like you need to match something someone else does or see something the way someone else sees it, or even follow the examples that Jude and I share. You know, this is all, everything that we give to you is just meant to open up you know, the, that curiosity and help you explore and, and, you know, spirituality needs to be playful and fun. I think. Don't box yourself into this idea that the aura is only meant to be seen. And it's something that is supposed to be experienced with your visual senses, whether that be your internal eye or your physical external eye. Um, it can be felt, it can be tasted, it can be heard, it can be smelled, it could be touched, you know, with, with a texture. There's so many different ways to experience the aura. 
And the aura also goes beyond just us human beings. You know, we can feel the aura of the animals. We can feel the aura of the, of nature, of the planet, of our neighborhood, of our city. What is the aura of this crowd of people? What is the aura of this spirit? What is the aura of my spirit guide? I mean, there's so many different ways we can perceive all of that. It goes definitely beyond just us as individual human beings. You can practice working with your own intuition and feeling into that and experiencing your own unique way of interpreting the energy fields and the auric layers. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yet the same cameras that they can take photographs of our aurics based on our energetic field, they've done that with trees, you know, and they find that even the same type of tree, each individual tree has a different energetic aura, you know, it's a different field. It's fascinating. All right. Thank you for joining us. It's so nice to spend time chatting about these things. And, you know, we receive so much wonderful feedback and interesting stories that people share. And um, we just love and appreciate all of you that are out there listening. Yes, thank you for all of the uh, suggestions that you give us for future podcasts. We certainly are taking those into consideration. We also appreciate the donations as this helps keep our podcast ad free. If you'd like to know more about what we're doing or what we're offering, you can find our individual websites through our spiritspeakerspodcast.com website. And you can follow us on our Instagram at spiritspeakerspodcast. Until next time, aloha. Take care.